Breakfast this morning is sponsored in loving memory of Lilo Anima Alea Shalom Lilo Nishmat Eliyahu Ben Damonita by his daughter Vivian Naim and also sponsored by Stephen Rapport in honor of Joe Shatrit. Azaku Baruch. The Gemara tells us that when it comes to dreams, Hakol Holech Ahar Apitaron. Everything goes after the interpretation. And what that means is that sometimes the dream itself, if it's interpreted for the bad, can actually turn out to be a bad thing. And if it's interpreted for the good, can wind up being something good as a good omen and a good sign for someone in the future. So what's interesting to note is that when the Pasuk says that the brothers, they hated him on his dreams, but they also hated him for his words. Why separately his dreams and his words is the same thing? And the answer is no. Not only did they hate him for the fact that he dreamed it, but then when he interpreted it to them, he said it over in a way which would indicate that they would become subservient. He could have said it over in a way which would have been a bit more parv. But they say, Are you going to be the king over us? Is that your aim over here? Is that what you're trying to do? When we turn to the end of the parashah though, we find something which seems to be a little bit more difficult to understand. There are two people, the Sarah Ofim and the Sarah Mashkim. The person in charge of baking for paro and the person in charge of serving the wine. <clears throat> his butler and his baker. Each one of them comes down. Yosef says, what's going on? Is everything okay? The butler says, what are you talking about? Okay, I had this dream. I don't know what's going on. There's three vines. I'm squeezing the vines into the cup of wine and I serve paro. Yosef says, that's what's worrying you? No problem. Three vines are three days. After the three days, you're going to go back to serving Paro as one. You're going to be reinstated to your position. The guy, he's so happy. He can't believe it. He says, thank you so much. The second guy, encouraged by the good result that the first guy got, the baker steps forward and he says, I also dreamed a dream last night. Maybe you could help me too. <clears throat> he saw how nicely Yosef interpreted the dream. He said, I dreamed that there were three baskets on my head. And as the baskets are sitting on top of my head, a bird comes and is eating from the baskets. What an idyllic scene. Very peaceful, very beautiful, right? Standing there with three baskets of bread, French bread, challah, rolls, pitas, and a bird comes in, it's chirping, beautiful. What does Yosef say? Three days, baskets, stand for three days. After three days, paro is going to take off your head. You're dead. The guy says, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? The other guy and me, we had the same dream. The three, the three. What's the difference between me and you? The Dubna Magid asks a better question. He says, why if the, everything follows the interpretation, so then Yosef could have interpreted it the same. So why didn't he? What did Yosef see in the dream that indicated to him that made him not be able to interpret this positively? Why could he have not said, in three days you'll also go back to serving bread? Look, he's carrying the baskets. The Dubra Magid gives an example. And I want to answer this question in two stages. He says there was once a king who was a very big fan of art. One day, one of his uh, chief artists comes and they paint him a beautiful painting of a man holding a beautiful shiny red apple. And he's looking at the apple. And the man is looking at the apple. You could see he really would love to eat this apple. It's magnificent. Amen. Amen. The king is so enamored with this painting. It's so beautiful. It's so lifelike. He offers a cash prize to anyone that can come and find a flaw in this painting. 
all the art critics come with their magnifying glasses, with their tools. Sorry? A flaw, a problem. Something Something wrong with it. Everyone's looking, they're looking, the shadows are right, the colors are right. You could even sense how hungry this guy is, how he's looking at the apple with such a uh, <clears throat> desire. One by one, they slink away. They have nothing to say. It's perfect. Until finally, there's only a few art critics left. But then something happens that all makes all the art critics pack up their bags and leave, give up. A little bird swoops in and begins to try and eat the apple in the hand. All the art critics look at this, they're like, she biflage. If it fooled even the bird, obviously, this is the most perfect painting ever. There's nothing that we're going to find here that even this bird's natural eye couldn't discern. The shadows are perfect. The food is perfect. The posture is perfect. The proportion is perfect. Everything is perfect. So they all start walking away. And as they walk away, a homeless man stands up. He walks forward to the painting. The guy is about to put the easel away. He raises his hand. And the king says, yes, he says, I, I know what's wrong with the painting. The king says, what are you talking about? Everyone left already. All the experts left. What are you here? He says, no, no, your majesty, I know what's wrong with the painting. But he says, what do you mean? He says, if the painting was so lifelike, would the bird have come to eat fruit out of a man's hand? When was the last time you were walking down the street and a bird tried to eat something out of your hand? There's a natural fear that a human being Ha, uh, projects on these on birds on animals, where the animals afraid or the birds afraid to approach it. Clearly, the photo, the picture, the painting, was not lifelike enough to convey this to the bird, and that's the flaw in the painting. The king was impressed, and he rewarded him handsomely. Says the Dubna Magi the same thing. Yosef looked and he saw a man standing there with baskets on his head. That a bird is confident enough to go eat out of his uh, the basket on his head, illustrating that in the dream already the guy was dead. So therefore, therefore he said there's something that's not lifelike about you in this dream if the bird is willing to come and eat from the basket out of your head. That's why Yosef didn't interpret it positively. But I would like to add one other thing that I think as well gave Yosef a clue that the dreams here, although they looked remarkably the same, were actually dead. Were actually one was dead and one was uh, one was going back to his job. And the answer is that if you compare the dreams, they both have the element of three. They both have the person doing their job, but one of them in the dream is moving. He's active, and the other is passive. He's being acted upon. Yosef reveals a great truth that there could be two people living what seems to be identical lives, going to identical jobs, working for the identical uh, you know, boss, and one of them is alive and one of them is dead. Yeah, maybe he's in the job, but there's no movement at all. At all. There's no movement which is self-generated. Things are being acted upon the person. When a person doesn't feel in control of their life, they might be alive, but they sure as heck are not living. So Yosef says, look, I don't know what to tell you. I know it looks the same to you, but these dreams couldn't be more different one to the other. One of the great lessons of this is the obligation that we all have. Not necessarily a specifically Torah-related obligation. We have an obligation to ourselves to live lives. If God gave us a life, to live life in a way where we take responsibility, where we make the moves 
where we don't just let people do things to us and decide things for us, but we take it, the agency back for our lives and we decide to squeeze the grapes and to serve paro and to do whatever it is that we, that we want to do in our life in order simply to remain alive. The movement itself is, uh, is, what, uh, is what creates it. I think as well, <clears throat> I think as well there's a hint to this in Yosef's two dreams. Yosef's first dream talks about the stalks of wheat. And what does it say about the stalks of wheat? These, and all of these, your stalks of wheat, what did they do? They bowed to mine. Could you imagine a stalk of wheat bowing, bent over? You could. But then he carries on and he says, and I had a second dream. And what's his second dream? The second dream is, um, I'm dreaming. The star and the moon and 11 other stars are bowing to me. He tells his father and his brothers, and his father says, what is this dream? Do you think we're going to come? you think we're going to bow down to you? you think all this is the case? Right? First of all, he didn't tell his father the dream the first time. How come only in the second dream does he include his father? And how come his father, and how come his father also says, you know, that's not, uh, that it's not a true dream? And the answer is many different answers to this. One answer the reason is because in the first dream, his father doesn't appear. So he doesn't tell his father because he's not in it. Second dream, his father's in it. He's, in, he's uh, represented by the sun and the moon. Sun and his and mother and the moon. So there's one answer, which is a straightforward answer, that the reason why he did that was because his father... But I think something was bothering Yosef about the second dream. And that is, on a practical level, how can a circle bow? The sun, the moon, the stars, the plants, they're circles. How can a circle bow? You have a rectangular object, <clears throat> like a stalk of wheat, it can bow, it can show the movement. Yosef perceived that they were bowing to him, but how would that manifest? How would it be visible that they were actually making this action? I think sometimes we feel that we are making moves, we're doing things, we're active, we're making choices, and we're not just letting everything else happen to us. But I think there's a second point as well that Yosef understood and therefore he was bothered by in the second dream, which is, are the moves that I'm making, are they active? Are they visible? Are they, are they, you know, can you see, can you understand how they work? And when you can't, it's just a matter of perception, then it's our job to kind of make them a little bit more, uh, uh, to have them stick out just that little bit more. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.